Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Monday, February 12th. Our top story today, an inquest has heard how a twisted giveaway sign and faded road markings may have contributed to the deaths of a young couple near Ashford. Josh Alexander and his pregnant girlfriend Jessica Poole were killed in a crash in Woodchurch last June. Lucy has the details for the Kent Online podcast. 21-year-old Josh and 18-year-old Jessica were killed when they collided with an oncoming skip lorry at the crossroads junction of Plur- Rindon Road and Betherston Road in Woodchurch. They both suffered fatal injuries and died at the scene. Now police believe heavily worn road markings and a rotated give way sign on Plurindon Road near to the crossroads could have been contributing factors in the crash. Forensic collision investigators said Josh, who was driving, didn't realise he was approaching a junction and was using his sat-nav just seconds before the crash. Have there been any upgrades to the intersection to prevent something like this from happening again? Yes, the coroner's written to Kent County Council to see what changes have been made to the junction. In response, bosses say the lines have now been repainted and the giveaway signs been put back in the right position. They're working with the police and engineers to make sure similar deaths are avoided. Now, the inquest also heard that Josh wasn't speeding during the time of the collision. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Investigators believe he was travelling below the speed limit of 60 miles per hour. However, his dad, Ben, Sisson says the approach to the crossroads is treacherous and is putting pressure on roads bosses to improve the safety. He's suggested that if his son had been doing 40, he may have been able to see the road markings a bit easier. Kent Online News. A Hive man who was jailed for a sex attack at a beer festival has been cleared following a retrial. Parry Jacob had been sentenced to seven and a half years in 2022 and spent 18 months behind bars before his conviction was overturned. Now a jury's found the 26-year-old from Heron's Way not guilty. A Whitstable man has been cleared of stalking his ex-girlfriend and sending her abusive messages. Lloyd Fitchie had been accused of harassing the woman over a four-week period from December 2021 to the following month. The 39-year-old from Lismore Road was able to provide screenshots and footage from his phone and the CPS decided to offer no evidence. Two people have been rescued by firefighters after a flat caught a light in Margate. Emergency crews were called to North Down Road yesterday evening and managed to put out the blaze. The people were looked after by paramedics. Meanwhile, crews have spent more than 17 hours at the scene of a barn fire in New Romney. The blaze broke out on Hope Lane yesterday evening. Work's continuing to dampen down hay bales and anyone in the area has been told to keep doors and windows closed because of smoke. A car has crashed into a building in Greenhithe following reports of a police chase. It happened near the Pier Hotel pub on Saturday evening. Luckily, no one was hurt. Kent Online News. Tunbridge and Morling MP Tom Tugendhat says the government's investing £5 million in a campaign to tackle fraud. Figures show it accounts for around 40% of all crime in England and Wales. The security minister says it's a huge problem. Fraud is a huge problem across the United Kingdom. It's a vile crime. It literally steals people's life savings. And this government takes it incredibly seriously. That's why we've managed to get fraud down about 13% year on year. And we're investing more into fighting fraud in the UK. What we're doing right now is we're making sure that we highlight the elements that uh, everybody can do for themselves. So that's why we're talking about stop, think fraud. Because if you can get people to stop for a moment and just check whether things seem likely or not, then individuals can be more likely to spot when a fraud is occurring. Now, of course, we're also working with the providers, that's Sim Farms, sorry, 
forgive me, with telecoms uh, companies to break SIM farms and with uh, the various different social media companies and internet companies, and hence the online fraud charter. And we're also working with the police to make sure they have the capability to deal with the incidents that we're seeing. So all three of those together, the blocking, the pursuing and the informing, mean that we'll help keep British people safer. MPs and peers are warning Rishi Sunak's Rwanda asylum policy could break international law. Parliament's Joint Committee on Human Rights says the bill risks untold damage to the UK's hard-won reputation on civil liberties. It's been revealed the cost of the Lower Thames crossing has reached nearly £300 million before construction has even begun. The tunnel is due to be built between the A2 near Gravesend and Tilbury in Essex. The campaigners have criticised the dysfunctional planning process. Ben Hopkinson is from Britain Remade. For the planning application uh, for the Lower Thames Crossing, National Highways has spent nearly £300 million pounds, uh, just to try and get planning permission to actually build the road. That's not any money spent towards building or getting spades in the ground. That's just money spent having the government ask another wing of the government whether or not it can build uh, the tunnel. Where exactly is that money going? Is it going to the pockets of business owners or MPs? So where is the money actually being spent? Uh, so the money is mostly being spent uh, on having civil servants and planning lawyers fill out uh, tens of thousands, well, hundreds of thousands of pages of documentation. Uh, so in total, uh, the planning application and all of the other documents associated came out to 360,000 pages. So that's where the 300 million pounds went. And I believe you've had some statistics as well on sort of just how, how heavy those pages would be. Uh, yes, yeah, we, we've got a, a lot of fun stats about it. So if you uh, piled them on top of each other, 360,000 pages is 36 meters tall, which is taller than eight double-decker buses or nearly double the height of the Angel of the North. And together it weighs uh, 1,600 kilograms, uh, which is more than 13 refrigerators. Right, okay, that's, that's quite heavy. <laughs> um, yes. now, I understand, so they were sort of forecasting that the overall total of the project, once it's completed, would sort of sit around the nine billion pound mark. With the fact that they've not put a shovel in the ground yet and already prices are going up and up, are you expecting that nine billion to increase? Um, I, I think it's hard to say, but it, when uh, the Lower Thames Crossing was first announced, the price tag was put at 5.3 billion. And throughout the, the kind of long and cumbersome planning process, uh, that figure has obviously risen to 9 billion. And once you start getting uh, spades in the ground, start tunneling, there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, ground conditions and the work program. So obviously the 9 billion is just the best estimate that we have right now. And now I was reading in the press release earlier that um, Britain Remade spoke about some uh, dysfunctional planning systems that have sort of led to this massive blowout. But could you tell me a little bit about what the what the dysfunction is? What what's the where does the problem lie? Well, I think the the problem lies with the requirements to fill out um, these hundred hundreds of thousands of pages of of documentation, and that covers all sorts of things from identifying who the local landowners are. Uh, to the consultations, of which there have been many, uh, to a little bit less useful things, like uh, a list of disagreements that National Highways has had with the Cambridge College, uh, as well as detailed maps of where newts might live.
near the root. So obviously moving forward, Britain Remade would like to see maybe a more streamlined process where you could cut out some of those unnecessary steps. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think the whole country would benefit from uh, having a, a pipeline of infrastructure where we have uh, expedited review and planning um, where you don't need to do uh, se several different consultations. You can ask the public um, what they want from it and then go and, and get building rather than having to keep going back, uh, consulting, keep filling out uh, hundreds of thousands of pages of paperwork. Kent Online News. A leading education expert says hiring tutors to help children pass the Kent test is a waste of money. Former schools advisor Simon Webb reckons children either have the ability to pass or they don't. The results determine who can apply for a grammar place. It's thought there could be more demand if Labor is elected and ups VAT on private schools, meaning some parents can't afford the fees. There are calls for a Primark to open in Ashford Town Centre to help boost footfall for other businesses. A survey has been carried out and a third of people said that was the store they wanted the most. Local MP Damien Green is promising to contact the company about moving into the town. I was delighted to get uh, 1,200 replies, so it's a, it's a decent representation of the views of people um, who use Ashford Town Centre and indeed some who don't use it often enough because quite a lot of people, about a third, said they go in less than once a month, even though obviously we delivered it to uh, areas immediately around the town centre. So... What it shows is that there, yeah, the three reasons people give if they don't uh, use Ashford Town Centre very much, so things they want improved, are the, the lack of the individual shops that they want, the um, some antisocial behaviour that puts people off, um, and also the level of parking charges. Those overwhelmingly were the three things that people um, said they thought put them off. So. Uh, I want want to you know try and get some movement on on each of those three areas to try and uh, make the town centre uh, more more prosperous and and more popular. And were you surprised at the findings? Were you surprised that Primark was at the top of people's lists, or do you think it's one of those brands that's been on everyone's minds for quite a while in Ashford? I, I think it's it's on people's minds in Ashford and and in other places. Um, so yes, I wasn't particularly surprised by that. Um, apart from Primark, the other shop that people really wanted uh, was Marks and Spencer and of course there was one uh, until fairly recently uh, in the town centre and, and, and that's closed down so I can I'm, I'm, I can see why people would like to have uh, a Marks and Spencer uh, back in the town but but it's true that Primark was overwhelmingly the the favourite the one the one thing that uh, would change the level of footfall in the town centre. When I spoke to shoppers, a lot of them said that they thought the old Debenhams unit would sort of be the perfect place for a Primark. Do you agree with them? And do you think that if it did come to the town, fill that big unit, it could really almost be a lifeline for Ashford Town Centre? It would be a huge boost, certainly. And and I agree with, with everyone that obviously since Debenhams uh, closed that store, along with a lot of other stores, I mean, it was a Debenhams problem, not an Ashford problem. Uh, but But obviously that's a big vacant space that will be ideal for Primark. With, you know, obviously, it's a matter for them uh, how much of it they would want to fill uh, if, if they decide to come to Ashford. Um, but certainly that, that's an obvious space to do it because then that, that would act um, not just in terms of getting people in, into the Primark, but also into uh, all the other shops in County Square. 
So, you know, increasing footfall there would, would be hugely beneficial to a large range of shops. Residents also raise concerns about parking charges and anti-social behaviour, which the MP says he'll raise with police and council bosses. Catch-up clinics are running across Kent over half term to make sure children have had the MMR vaccine. Parents are being urged to make an appointment following a rise in cases of measles. Clinics are opening at children's centres, churches, medical sites and community halls all over the county this week. Drivers in Kent are being urged not to throw litter on the road as the RSPCA reveals the deadly impact on wildlife. Across the UK, the charities had more than 10,000 reports of animals getting injured, trapped or killed by rubbish in the last three years. Bosses say even fruit peel and apple cores can be dangerous as they can lure creatures to their death. Kent Online News. A luxury housing estate in Medway is almost complete five years after being left abandoned. The Hamiltons off Upper Luton Road in Chatham appeared to be falling into rack and ruin when the firm behind it fell into administration. The site was taken over by another company in 2021 after being bought at auction for more than £2 million. Adam Connolly is from Imperial Corporate Capital who were behind the transformation. We acquired the development when it was halfway built. Um, It's been a long old journey but it's coming along nicely we're almost finished, so we're really pleased. With the finishing touches as well, and one thing for the residents, it'll be a fully gated community, adding great security for all the residents that live here as well. So that's one thing that we're uh, just finishing up on, and um, hopefully that should be done within the next few months or so. Plans to build a seven-storey high block of flats in Dover are back on the agenda. Developers are appealing a decision to reject the proposal for 52 properties on Malvern Road. It had previously been linked to Canary Wharf in London. Campaigners fighting plans for more than 400 new homes near Maidstone say they need financial support. A public inquiry has been held as residents want to get protected village green status for Bunyard's farm. They need to pay for a lawyer to take on their case. There are concerns for the future of farmland in Faversham as it's been put up for sale. The plot next to Aldi on Tentatall Way is planning permission for officers, but countryside campaigners fear it could be turned into housing. The deadline for bids is in May. Now, Kent's only Green Party Council leader has been telling us how they plan to make a huge new housing development more environmentally friendly. Up to 10,000 homes are due to be built at Otterpool Park in Folkestone. Jim Martin was put in charge of the local authority after elections last May and has been chatting to Simon Finlay on the Kent Politics podcast. In the previous administration, I was an opposition um, uh, councillor and I served uh, the four years on planning. Uh, and uh, the very, very, very last um, planning meeting that we had in the last administration was a special planning meeting where we could consider Otterpool. Now, I voted against uh, Otterpool because the planning application had an aspiration for net zero. There was no commitment to net zero. And I firmly believe that if we are building a garden town in the 21st century, it's got to be net zero. You know, if this is if this is the future, as the government sees it, new settlements, uh, then we have jolly well better get up to speed and have a net zero carbon development Uh, and that's why I voted against it because there was no commitment. I think that we can do better in terms of 
uh, 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 energy. I think we can do a lot better in terms of biodiversity. And I think we can do a lot better in terms of the active travel plan. Um, so that's why I voted against it. That was before the election. So it's, it is, you might say, a sort of cruel twist of irony uh, that um, it now falls to me to deliver it. So how are you going to make it a bit more green? Well, the first thing is that uh, it will it will be a, a, a net zero carbon development. Uh, we immediately started work on on uh, 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 working out how we could do it, and we have got a uh, a fantastic proposal uh, that we've got that will 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 make. Uh, will make uh, Otterpool uh, not only uh, net zero carbon throughout its life, but but it will it will actually be uh, a net zero carbon on the day that it begins because we will be producing carbon free energy before the first house is built. We're spending twenty two million pound on a water treatment plant which has next to it a huge reed bed uh, which will uh, clean the water before it leaves the site. Now, you may be aware that, you know, because of the problems, the stod marsh is dying because of, of all of the phosphates that have got into it. And a lot of the development around Ashford and a lot of the development around Canterbury has been stalled simply because southern water uh, can't uh, uh, make provision uh, to connect uh, be because of the nutrient neutrality issues. But at Otterpool, because it's such a big site, we can accommodate the solution on the site. So effectively, all of the water, all of the wastewater, the you know, it's not sewerage at that point, it's still wastewater, um, uh, that leaves the site uh, will be clean. Kent Online News. Two Kent mums who met and became friends on the school run are opening a new florist just in time for Valentine's Day. Samantha Richards and Katie Hall, who both live in Maidstone, have been running a touch of Kent since 2022, but they've secured their first showroom in the Spectrum business estate. Samantha's been talking to the Kent Online podcast ahead of the launch. Kate and I actually flew together um, for EasyJet many years ago, about 10, 15 years ago, and we worked with each other for two years, but we never knew each other. Um, so obviously fast forward to about three years ago, um, I bumped into Katie on the school run and we obviously really connected and found out that we used to work together, but we never knew each other then. Anyway, I was then due to get married and I roped Katie in to do my wedding flowers because I kind of met with a stylist and I didn't feel that she fully understood my vision. So I didn't have much faith. So I said, Kate, help me. Like, I trust you. I don't trust anyone else. And yeah, so we did our wedding, uh, my wedding. And we were sat in the garden with a bottle of wine after. And she said to me, because all the best things happen with a bottle of wine. <laughs> she said to me, I'd love to do this for a living. And I said, well, sod it. Let's do it. So the next day, literally, I called her and I was like, right, I've started a business. We're called A Touch of Kent. And that was that. So we were both working part time at the time. I worked for the ambulance service. Katie was still cabin crew for EasyJet. Um, but after about five months, we had to quit our jobs and do a touch of Kent full time because within well, within 18 months, we're now fully booked for this year. Um, we're over halfway booked for next year with the weddings. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of 
exploded exploded yeah (laughs) at all everyone kept saying it's such an oversaturated market you're going to struggle but we just haven't um and yeah so we've recently um bought this showroom um it's kind of like a as I say it's on an industrial estate so it's like a warehouse showroom um and we thought well let's open up as a florist as well um because we do as the wedding side of things we're kind of like three suppliers in one so we do the full floristry full styling and signage as well um so then we were like now we've got the space rather than operating out of a kitchen why don't we actually like open as a florist were you doing it from each of your kitchens before and how long have you been doing that for yeah so we started out um katie's floristry room was her kitchen her husband used to get so annoyed he'd come home from work and be like get these out my house it's taken (laughs) over and kind of last valentine's we propped up on the side of the road and did like a mini stall and we sold out within a day um we had none left for actually valentine's day i think we sold a lot more than we expected um and that was just kind of on the side of the road and then we found those people came back then for mother's day so it's just kind of trying to get the word out that we're now just around the corner in a unit now and you can actually come to a shop. Kent Online Sport. Football now and there's plenty to celebrate for Gillingham who are celebrating after their 3-1 victory over Notts County on Friday night. More than 900 Gillingham fans made the trip north. Goals from Ollie Hawkins and Max Clark gave the Gills a 2-1 half-time lead at Meadow Lane before Colin Masterson headed in the third. Here's Ollie Hawkins. We knew they were going to have a lot of the ball and um, it was going to be really tough and we had to dig in and we did and we, we've come away with three points with a really, really good performance. That's come from behind... Again, your goal just, just seems to change the whole complexion of the fixture. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's always tough going one down the early and um, the boys showed great character. And I think getting the early goal sort of helped us with a bit of momentum and, and knew that we could we could get back in this game. And, and like I say, it just showed and we did. And in tennis, Ken's Emma Raducanu is playing in the first round of the Qatar Open later. She's been given a wild card entry. The 21-year-old from Orpiton says she's still finding a form after last year's injury. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.